Welcome to this VIT podcast. In this podcast, I'm talking to Alan Robinson, Principal of Montmorency Secondary College. After 53 years of great service, Alan is retiring from the profession. I'm talking to Alan about his career and about some of the excellent programs and initiatives at Montmorency Secondary College. So congratulations, Alan, on your retirement after 50 plus years in teaching. It's a wonderful achievement. Can you tell us about where and when you started in teaching and your various stops along the way? Oh, look, my journey started um, a long time ago, Damien. I started my teaching on a four-year studentship at La Trobe University in 1969, um, and I was to do a Bachelor of Education and a Diploma of Education. And I was part of a pilot course uh, we were offered uh, that saw education students placed in a school one day a week um, in years two, three and four of our four years of training. So I was at Newlands High School in 1970, um, Broadmeadows High School in 1971 and Footscray Technical School in 1972, effectively as a teacher one day a week. Right. So, and then uh, following that, um, I was appointed to Broadmeadows Technical School as a fully qualified teacher in 1973, and that was the first school I taught at. Um, I'd been on a studentship for four years, like I said, while studying at La Trobe, and I was 21 years old when I started teaching as an English and humanities teacher, not much older than many of the students themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I believe the Broadie kids and their parents taught me how to become a good teacher, and that took a couple of years at least. Uh, I was It was an all-boys school when I began, and it had a reputation for being wild and unforgiving on teachers, and they did seem to come and go fairly rapidly. Mm. Um, I taught there for 16 years and really learned to enjoy the students and the community and to become enthusiastic about the potential of a good education. Um, Bromeadows Technical School was classified as a highly disadvantaged school very poor families, many involved in the criminal justice system and most parents working shift work and the students did not see a lot of their parents because of that. Mm. Uh, as well as being a teacher, you had to become a bit of a cunning social worker to survive and gain their acceptance and respect. Um, and if you did show initiative as a young teacher, leadership positions were quick, quickly thrust upon you as many of the experienced staff found it all too hard. Um in my fourth year in 1976, I'd become a head of department and a sub-school leader at a pretty young age. And my first school was also very special to me because my wife Pamela and I met there as young teachers and we've now been happily married for 44 years. So that was a great advantage for me. Yeah. Um, look, together we established the Broadie Tech Basketball Club and we trained the students before school of a morning and on two old pothole bitumen courts, sometimes in the rain, but the boys always turned up. Uh, the club ran for six years and in 12 seasons we, we coached multiple basketball teams competing in the Victorian Junior Basketball Championships on Friday nights at the old Albert Park Basketball Stadium. And we had 39 boys competing at the Albert Park and Coburg Basketball Stadiums and some of them and their families are still close friends today, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, when I started in 1973, class sizes were very different and I had nine, had 
year nine groups for English and social studies that were up to 37 students, a far cry from our maximum of 25 today. Mm. Um, There were no computers or information technology when I started teaching. The new thing in our school was the photograph machine and I discovered that the students responded very well to the multicoloured sheets and also the smell of the photograph ink fluid. Um, Record keeping was all pen and paper and so was communication, which is one of the big differences today. There were no photocopiers back then. Uh, The abolition of corporal punishment in 1983 in the Victorian government schools was one of the great days of Victorian education. I'd rebelled against it. Uh, in the school for a decade, and I saw this as a real social achievement from what was a brutal and often barbaric practice that existed in schools. We have become a much more civilised and respectful school system than the old practice of the strap as a punishment, which undermined role modelling and respectful relationships. Um, At the end of my first year of teaching, I was called into the principal's office and he and the assistant principal told me they wanted to move me on as to another school because I was undermining their discipline policy because I refused to use a strap and I refused to go to strap practice. <laughs> strap That's practice. the office staff rang for young teachers. Huh. Um, I became argumentative with them, told them what I thought of corporal punishment and then stayed teaching at the school for another 15 years and thoroughly enjoyed my time teaching there. Um, After 16 years teaching at Broadmeadows Tech School, I then spent four years at Craigieburn Secondary College as a senior teacher. Uh, It was the Craigieburn Peter 12 complex, which ran from prep right up to year 12, and that was a really, really good experience as well. And then I transferred to Montmorency Secondary College, where I've been for 29 years, firstly as a teacher, then as an assistant principal for five years, and as a principal for the past 11 years. So that, in a nutshell, that's my teaching career. Now you've been at Montmorency Secondary College for 29 years and I imagine you've seen a huge amount of change in that time in the school community, in the education landscape, in teaching itself, you know, in a sort of a general, uh, you know, sort of like a, a broader view. Um, um, what do you feel have been the, the big changes that you've seen in this time? As as well as the information technology, um, look, I I think the recent challenge for me as a principal has been to establish a positive culture of continuous improvement for both students and staff. Mm. Um, Teamwork has been achieved through positive relationships and we now have a highly effective um, PLTs or PLCs, which are professional learning teams or professional learning communities um, supporting one another for a number of years now. Um, We've seen our data at at Montmorency dramatically improve. Our VC results have become very impressive and we've become a school of choice in our community with um, rapidly rising student enrolments. We've had to work hard to establish a highly effective leadership team at the college to achieve this. But, um, look, I've only been in the principal class for 15 years, but for over 30 years as a teacher, um, I've been aware of what the principal seemed to do. Um, the role of the principal has become much more complex and there mm. seems to be a lot more checking and accountability about what we actually do. In the years, um, in the early years, we had a centralised system and everything was prescribed by the department. 
and the, the rationale seemed to be one size fits all. We then went through the self-governing school phase of the 1980s and 1990s, and that tended not to have a lot of structure that resulted in a lot of variance as to how individual schools were run. Um, curriculum development and pedagogy has changed a lot, and we've seen the evolution of the department's guidelines from the frameworks, the curriculum standards frameworks, the CFS. In the northern region, we experienced powerful learning, and we now have the FISO, the framework for improvement, um, for improving student outcomes. Mm. And we now do have meaningful structure for our teachers to improve and develop their teaching practice. Um, it's now the responsibility of the principals to lead the development of this instructional model in their own schools. And the challenge for me as a principal uh, has been to establish a positive culture of continuous improvement for both students and staff. And as I said, the teamwork has been achieved through positive relationships and we now have those highly effective PLTs and PLCs supporting one another for, you know, that's been going now for two or three years. We've, we've had to work really hard to establish, um, you know, those highly effective teams. But I think uh, in, in the modern day and age, it's imperative that schools do that and we don't have the, the lone wolves teaching in the service mm. and not talking to one another. It's at the relationships, the positive relationships between staff and the collegiality that exists now has seen huge improvement in the, in the quality of education that's provided for our students. So you talked about some of the great work going on at Montmorency Secondary College. I know that one of the school's great achievements has been the really strong engagement with your student body. I understand your SRC has been recognised as setting a statewide benchmark. Can you tell us how this came about? Look, when um, I was appointed as a principal uh, some 11 years ago, when the panel interviews you, there's a community question or a community criteria. And the community criteria that uh, Montmorency set was for um, student leadership and the, the development and establishment of a, a quality student leadership program. And as a principal, I still work closely with our students and for a number of years I've thoroughly supported the concept of student voice and agency. And through working closely with our SRC and student leadership program, the students at Montmorency have had a real say and a real student voice in their own learning and also the operations and direction of the college. We've also had student representation on our college council for the past nine years, and that's more or less since I became the principal. And seeing our student representative council grow from a handful of students 10 years ago to more than 400 active participants and probably the best SRC in the state is something very special. Um, that's been really, really gratifying to see that grow and uh, become, it's, look, it's 30% or 35% of our student population mm. is in the SRC in that leadership program. And that's been very, very um, important to us. And for a number of years now, SRC has supported a number of worthwhile causes um, and they've raised approximately $80,000 each year for things such as the Cancer Council, Cystic Fibrosis, Beyond Blue, One Girl, BCNA, um, 
the Share the Dignity program, and they're just to name a few. Mm. And this has also included a genuine educational agenda about, about these causes for our community. It's not just a fundraising exercise, it's a genuine educational exercise. And to have that student voice and agency and a sense of purpose in our community around those causes has been something pretty special. Mm. And are there any other programs or initiatives at the school <laughs> that uh, you know, you're particularly proud of? Oh, there are. Damien, look, um, being very fortunate, we've had a, a, a great partnership with uh, government in recent years and funding for government schools has been through some dark periods. But recently we've seen some improvements in this area and I'm really pleased and really also very proud that we've just completed um, some 18 months ago a $14.6 million redevelopment and refurbishment of our college which has ended up looking like a brand new school with wonderful new classrooms and facilities. You know, we're over, a, we're probably a 54, 55 year old school. Mm. And uh, to see a, a school like it is now is pretty special. In the recent uh, state government budget, we've also been allocated $19 million to extend and redevelop our two court basketball stadium which will become an impressive five-court stadium with underground parking facilities. Um, it'll also have a, a show court with a retractable seating for 1,200 spectators. Wow. Um, we've got a community partner, which is the Eltham Wildcats Basketball Club, who will be using the facility and live stream TV of their NBL One competition game. So it's going to be a very, very impressive facility. It's sort of half complete now will be completed by about April next year, and mm -hmm. that's something I'm very proud of coming from a high-level basketball background myself. I'm really excited by this development for our college and our community. Mm. Well, thanks, Alan. And, and finally, uh, you know, as a retiring principal, um, is there any advice you'd like to give to new or aspiring school leaders out there? Oh, look, I... I've been fortunate, you know, I've worked with some good leaders in the past um, and I've learnt from a lot of mistakes. I think principals are, you're not, you're not fully equipped for the job when you start out, but the challenges have always been there and the best lesson in teaching and in life and as a principal is to stick to teamwork, mm. honesty and hard work. And if you can achieve this and all the rest seems to fall into place nicely and you really need to establish a good leadership team around you with consistent values to work with as well. Um, we've got a wonderful leadership team at our college, but it's taken a long time to put that together. Look, you, you can't have the same people with the same skill sets as yourself. You need to establish a whole team with different skills. Yeah. Uh, be prepared to delegate be prepared to work and listen and learn from others and don't think you know it all yourself. You really need that good team around you and that's what's worked so well for us. Mm. Yeah, it strikes me that the uh, the role of the principal has become so enormous um, over the years, um, you know, like outward facing to the community as well as, as sort of uh, within your own school. So that just highlights, I guess, the importance of what you were saying about getting a good team around you? 
Well, one of the things that's happened in our community, we've experienced a number of tragedies um, in my time. Um, and look, you, you do, do need a great community to work with. And the community does look to the principal to lead through some of those um, events. Mm. And one thing I've noticed in recent years is the escalating number of emails we get every day. And it's not unusual to deal with 50 to 60 emails in a day and to work. And the work that follows on from this is, is pretty big. And it's therefore essential that you build a good leadership team to work with and delegate effectively. And there are, like you say, there are increased community expectations on principals mm. and on schools. And we've seen this over the last two years with the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, families and students have looked to their teachers and to their school leadership for that guidance and that help. And I've just been so proud to see what our staff have done and what our leadership has done in this in this space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Alan. Um, uh, it's fantastic to hear your thoughts and um, uh, it's just a shame that we uh, we have to lose good people from the system uh, at some point. But um, congratulations again on, on a wonderful career and, uh, you know, I hope you um, enjoy a uh, stress-free and comfortable retirement. Oh, thank you, Damien. Look, I've had 53 wonderful years. I wouldn't change it for a bit. Um, and I'm still learning. I still hope to put back into the system and help in any way I can. Um, I've worked with a wonderful community, a lot of great teachers along the way. And I think they're just so important, particularly in this day and age. Um, we know how important schools and teaching is for our students and their development and our community. So thank you. Thanks to Alan Robinson for his fascinating insights and for his wonderful years of service in the profession. And I hope you enjoyed this VIT podcast.